Hello, good evening everyone. Uh, welcome to episode 9 of the Wulong Talks podcast. As always, I'm your host Jason. Uh, and today, as usual, I'm joined by the crew, uh, the Mank Geek, Big A. Alvin, say what's up, man? Evening, people. And when Richard's finished rearranging his room, uh, he will be with us. Richard, you're there, aren't you? I'm joking. I'm there, man. I'm, uh, hey, guys. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> well, we're kind of excited because today's podcast is going to be very, very special. We're um, discussing a show that I think it's fair to say we've all been waiting for for quite a while. Um, and we're going to get right down into Luke Cage tonight. We're going to break it down to little bits and pieces. Um, and we're absolutely going to let you know why this is um, one of the best shows we've seen in a while. Well, I feel that way anyway. I'm not sure how the other guys feel, but you'll find out soon enough. Um, but yeah, let's start off quickly with um, some introductions and some catch-ups, because it's been a little while since uh, we've done a podcast. Um, for those of you who follow us regularly, apologies. Um, I'll explain why that's been. But um, first of all, uh, Albert, what have you been up to, man? Have you been enjoying anything geeky over the past uh, two or three weeks since we've been off? You know what? I can't even remember as to kind of what's gone down in the last few weeks. I can't even think of anything, but barely. Um, but yeah, just the usual shit. You know, it's comic books and all that kind of business and obviously the Comic-Con stuff as well, which we'll talk about in a moment, I reckon. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, now apart from that, everything's cushy, but, but nothing stands out. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot of um, New York Comic Con stuff that we need to go through, um, so we'll get through that shortly. Um, Rich, anything you've been up to? Any comics you've been reading over the last couple of weeks? Uh, nothing nothing new at the moment. Uh, I think I've missed the, the past two weeks, my, for my, my normal pickup. But um, there's nothing really major has been out. Um, I mean, one of the comics I am really looking forward to to go and get, the first issue came out, I think, a week ago, was by, um, by the artist Frank Cho. And it's, uh, it's his own comic book, and it's, uh, I think, called Skyborn. Uh, and anybody who's, who doesn't know who Frank Cho is, he's like a... Um, he's done... He's worked for Marvel, he's worked for Image, he's worked for DC, um, and he's known for... Uh, what's, his, what's his own comic book called? I think Aches and, well, Aches and Babes. He's known for drawing, like, really muscular men and, and quite full-figured women, which some people don't agree with. But um, I think as long as it's done in good taste, then, you know, then there's nothing to actually argue about. But, but that's the only thing I've been meaning to get. I uh, recently restarted the Immortal Iron Fist, Matt Fraction and David Aha run. Is Aja? Was it Aha? How is it? How is his surname pronounced? Does anybody know? Uh, I think it's Aha. Aha. Yeah, like like, like so. the 80s. Okay. So David Aha. Yeah, so I, just, um, I went back to today's run that they did on Iron Fist. And um, yeah, and, and that's it really. And obviously NYCC, like, you know, like we've all said, we'll, we'll be touching on that in a, in a few moments, man. So we're being pretty quiet on, on my end, so true. Cool. Uh, you're right there. Yeah? You talk to me? Yes. Yeah. It just sounds yeah, like why, you why, fell why, down why? or something. <laughs> sounds like a what? You fell down. <laughs> I fell down? Yeah. Your microphone just went c -c 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 like you just dropped something. Listen, let me tell you, let me tell you yeah. I didn't fall down nothing. I've got the agility of Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I didn't fall down no <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what a shame you don't have the tech skills of Tony Stark, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, speaking of tech skills, um, we've had no internet at home for uh, quite a while, thanks to Sky. Thank you, Sky. 
Um, so that's why we didn't put out a Wooden Tools podcast um, last week when Luke Cage had actually been released. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of descended back into uh, my hunter-gatherer phase and started picking up a few books that I hadn't um, read in a while. Uh, I saw loads of posts about New York Comic Con and loads of people getting excited about trailers and I couldn't watch any of them. And so I basically just hated the world for a week and a bit. But um, yeah, I, did, I, I said I did some, some reading. I've been trying to quit smoking as well, which is going nicely. So um, yeah, it's uh, been all good. Been all good, you know. Um, fun times, man. You really don't realize how much you miss the internet in your life until like something like this happens, and then you realize you can't do a damn thing because there's just no internet. So yeah, it's a bit of a headache, but there you go. That, that was me. Anyway, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, New York Comic Con was on uh, last week. Was it last week it finished, guys? It was yeah, last weekend, it was right? the weekend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, weekend just gone. Cool. So yeah, we um, New York Comic Con finished and there was a whole heap of stuff that got released in terms of uh, trailers and footage and news. So we'll quickly run through uh, some of the highlights from that. Um, first of all, I think we've got to start with uh, a character that Richard is, um, well, if you know Richard, then you know <laughs> this character really needs no introduction in terms of um, him. That uh, we all got our first official trailer for uh, the Marvel Netflix TV series Iron Fist. Um, so it was a, really a chance for us to get a, a much closer look at what Finn Jones was like in, in the role of Danny Rand, uh, Iron Fist, um, and to give us a sense of, of the tone and the visual style that they've gone for for uh, the series. Um, Alvin, did you catch the trailer? Um, what did you think of it when you saw it? Yeah, I caught the trailer. Um, uh, the, the, to be honest, it like we get flashes of a lot of things, uh, and it looks like it's going to be very fighty. Uh, and I'm actually, obviously, quite looking forward to all the martial arts and that. Uh, but the one thing that stood out for me is that Marvel have this weird knack of being able to uh, represent things from the comics uh, in a different way uh, in live action, which is still true to the comics. So, like when you see Danny's hand uh, kind of light up, uh, glow. Um, shocked at A, how good it looked, and B, that it makes complete sense and still fits in with how we see Danny using his fists in the uh, in the comic, when he's actually, his fists are all charged up, all, all iron fisty. Um, but yeah, man, now I thought it looked pretty good, and I'm, I'm excited for it to uh, to come in March. Yeah, it did. It looked really impressive. Um, I like the, um, like you said, the, the fact that they managed to work in um, a visual effect for the Iron Fist and that the effect actually looked good. I mean, I was wondering if they were going to go for like the whole flaming fist and you know make his whole fist on fire and things like that. Um, it doesn't look like they've done that, but maybe they will pull that out for the show. But either way, I was actually quite happy with the glowing fist because I think it fits with the aesthetic that they've kind of gone with for the previous uh, Marvel Netflix shows and that, you know, they, they kind of show powers, but it's done in an understated way and not in a big kind of flashy visual way, which, um, yeah, obviously is governed by the fact that they, they don't necessarily have access to the, the budget and technology to pull off big visual effects, but it works anyway for, for what they're doing. Um, but certainly the show looks absolutely exciting. It really does. Um, you know, the martial arts choreography um, looks really good. It's it's by the same team who do the martial arts choreography for Marco Polo. So if you've ever watched that series and, and seen some of the, the martial arts in that, and 
um, you get a sense of what it is we're, we're going to get from Ironfist. Um, Richard, this is your baby, man, so I'm going to let you take the stage uh, and run wild with it. So do your thing, sir. Okay, all right, remember, um, okay, so since this is going to be a Luke Cage-esque uh, kind of podcast as well, I remember that thing, today's episode is going to be a uh, no swearing. So we're going to be using terms... Well, we'll, we'll, we'll run through the ground rules before um, we actually get to the Luke Cage. Let me tell you right now, because we don't use it right now. Like when I start talking about Iron Fist, it's gonna be it's gonna be swear fueled. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, you you just have to like restrain yourself and not <laughs> get all sweary about Iron Fist. Okay. Anyway, listen, Iron Fist. That's my baby, man. That's that trailer. That, that that's what I want. That, like, oh my god, I'm actually I'm actually lost the words. Anyway, like <laughs> I'm so excited. Out of all of the out of all of the defenders, uh, or out you know the, the Netflix TV shows. Uh, I mean, they've all been amazing. Daredevil season one, Daredevil season two, Jessica Jones, and, and then obviously like Luke Cage. But this is the one I've been looking forward to the most. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, I've actually gone back to the the Matt Fraction run that he did that he did a few years ago. And I think I'm actually going to finish. I'm going to reread the the Carl Kyle the Carl Kyle Andrews run that happened after that, which has led into this Carmen and Iron Fist, which is happening now, and the Iron Fists series which is going to be starting I think next month. But like, like you guys have said, the trailer has literally just stayed true to the essence of the character. Like you said, like Marvel have just got it down, down pat. Like, you know, they've got that formula. If it's not broken, there's no need to fix it. It doesn't have to be anything super fantastical, especially considering it's a TV show, so there's going to be some more budgets. But, you know, what, what you see is it, perfect. Um, I'm, I'm liking the fact that, that, you know, that, I don't know if you guys have missed, but I'm not sure if they even did it in Jessica Jones, but I do know that Marvel, it seems like from the trailer of Iron Fist, they're going to be having another hallway fight scene. And like I said, if you're not broke, don't fix it. And I can't wait to see what that hallway fight scene for Danny Rand is going to be uh, for someone who's as proficient in the martial arts as he is, as compared to, you know, the, you know, the, the hallway fight scene that Daredevil has, which is a lot more, I could I call it like martial arts scrappy fighting. I mean, so far we haven't really got anything from how they're going to be portrayed as characters on screen, but they, they're setting up the characters pretty much well. And um, you know, you get to see the glow, you get to see the, the, the fist of Con- the, the fist of the Iron Fist um, glowing. You get to see, the, you know, the dragon of Conlon tattoo on his chest. You get to see Madame Gao, who I've been waiting to see since bloody, you know, Daredevil season one. Uh, so that obviously means that the Steel Serpent is going to be coming in at some point. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just super excited, and I'm telling you now, like, March cannot roll on any sooner. That's, that's how much, like, you know, that's how much, that's how excited I am. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's just leave it at that. Okay, cool, man. Okay. Well, that was important. It was important to, to get that out of your system. So that's all good. Um. Cool. Sorry, one second. We're, we're just Sorry, experiencing a bit, a bit of feedback problems here. Um, Sorry, listeners. Uh, got a few gremlins here in the system, so it looks like we're, we're having a few issues. Okay. Ah, I think that's cleared up now. Okay. Well, that's the price you pay for recording on Google Hangouts. Um, but yeah, no. The the Iron Fist sounds like it's going to be a, an amazing series it, it really does um, and at this point you know I've got a lot of faith in them because of 
the Sterling work they've done with the three shows they've produced so far in Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and, and now Luke Cage. Um, so, you know, there's every reason to believe that this should be um, as good as uh, the others that have gone before and should have the same kind of quality and, and the same aesthetic but still be its own thing, which it, it looks like it very much will be. So, yeah, that's definitely one to look out for, man. Um, what else was there? We also had uh, a trailer for John Wick Chapter 2. Um, John Wick, for those who haven't seen it yet, if you haven't seen it yet, why have you not seen that film <laughs> yet? Like, what are you waiting for? Um, but John Wick is a, a film starring Keanu Reeves. Um, it's directed, I can't remember the director's names off the top of my head, but they are um, two people who worked on the Matrix trilogy, um, both as uh, visual effects supervisors, and they've now graduated to directors. Um, and the, the film is just amazing, absolutely amazing, the first film. Uh, highly recommended that, that you watch John Wick if you haven't done so already. But we've got a trailer for Chapter 2, and the trailer looks... Awesome. <laughs> Looks amazing. So, um, guys, what did you think of uh, John Wick Chapter 2? We excited for it? Um, Rich? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, it, you know, like you said, I think John Wick, the first one, I think it's easily probably one of the best action films that have come out from Hollywood in the last few years. Um, I mean, yeah, like there's, there's, nothing that can, there's nothing that can be faulted about that film. I actually watched it again. I watched it again on Tuesday, Tuesday night. And, um, and, you, and I was saying to you, like the person I was watching with that, you know, even on paper, when you look at the synopsis for the story, it shouldn't work. But then you sit down and you watch it and you just go like, model, fiddle, faddle. Uh, you know, Keanu Reeves is, is, is definitely back to his best, you know, since The Matrix. I think he kind of took a dip with it with the man of, the man of Tai Chi. Uh, I, think that was, I think that was a bit of an ego trip for this country. But um, the trailer that we were given... If anybody, as like just said, if, if anybody hasn't seen John Wick, go and see it. But anybody who has seen John Wick, uh, basically, this is just back to business for him. I think, I think it's, it's just, you know, now we're really going to see what John Wick is about. And, um, and I remember watching this person and, and thinking to myself, like, you know, are we going to see what made John Wick such, you know, such that, you know, such a myth and a legend? Or was it just going to literally just continue with him just going about his business? But, but either way, from what I gathered from this trailer, I'm happy what they've given us. Um, it's Channel Reeves just just kicking us and you know and just being just being Channel Reeves. So yeah. Cool, um, Alvin. What did you think? Yeah, man. I thought it looked good, man. Like <laughs> as soon as like it kicked off, you him getting measured up for that suit and all that, and you know they asked as to what kind of fit he wants, and then he just says tactical. From then on, I was just like, this is going to be fucking badass. It was just a good trailer, man. Just see him doing his John Wick thing, being all angry and shooting people and that. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like The first one was a surprise to me because I watched it not expecting much at all. And what I got was actually thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and it was nice because like you know, with a lot of kind of movies that we see, because obviously being comic book fans and that, it's all about bigness. That's what all the action's about most of the time. Whereas this is just like, a guy with guns and he's good at hand-to-hand -hand combat and they somehow make that in without having any buildings collapse so yeah, I'm all for like a second John Wick and I hope it just doesn't just redo what we did previously I hope we get to see more of like 
the kind of uh, customs of the hitmen and their underworld and the way that they do things and all that kind of business. So we get to see uh, a lot more of that. Um, and yeah, apparently in this one, I think he's got a bit of a rivalry going on with Common, who's uh, who's also a hitman as well. So um, so yeah, now look, it looked good, man. Uh, I can't I can't wait to go and see it. Yeah, I, I noticed Common in the trailer as well, and um, I'm a bit of a fan of Common. Not so much of his acting, but <laughs> of his music, yeah. Um, but he, yeah, I noticed him in the trailer as well, and I was surprised because I, I don't remember him being cast in the movie or, or when that was announced. Um, do you know when that happened, Al? Uh, no, I have no idea. I, I'm a, I didn't know he was in it either. I'd heard other castings for it. Um, but but yeah, I had no clue who was in it until he showed up. I was like, oh, coming. And there was obviously another person who's in it who I didn't know was in it. But I won't say because I, I think I want people to see the trailer and get to that point and then union of sorts. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there's a real callback there, isn't there? Yeah, that's yeah but, but the other, I think the other um, name that I really wanted to shout out, he seems to be making kind of big waves. Uh, I think come by 2017, she's going to be at, in at least three action films. Uh, but it's Ruby Rose. Yeah. Yeah, so, she, so she's going to be in this. She's going to be in Triple X 800 or whatever the number it is, which I am still looking forward to seeing, though, by the way. And she's also going to be in the new Resident Evil or the last Resident Evil. Is she um, in that? Yeah, she's in that as well. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, she, she, you know, I, I give her props. She's got a good agent, man. She, she's got a good agent. But um, I, I t- I'll tell you, here's some, here's some, here's some trivia about the, the, the John Wick film. Uh, you, you know, there's a one like dark-haired bodyguard that he fights against in the in the in the club when he first finds Alfie Allen's character. That, I think that was uh, Keanu Reeves' stunt double, or you know, for the for the first Matrix. Uh, um, who you know, the one who gets, especially when he's fighting against uh, Agent Smith. Okay, right, right. Okay, well, that's it, what you mean. So, because that's the director then, because yeah, one of the directors, uh, Chad Stahelski. Yeah. Yes, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, him. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know that he, he was also the stunt double. He was the person that took over for Brandon Lee and the crew when Brandon when Brand Lee were unfortunately Did passed. He? Yeah. Wow. He was, he, he was the body double. So yeah. Um, I'm looking at his, his little um, filmography now, and he's done some good stuff, man. Like um, I think he was kind of in, even involved with uh, the Born Ultimatum stunts. So there you go, man. So anybody who hasn't seen John Wick, you know, if, if you like the Born films, this, this is right up your alley, man. Okay, cool, man. Well, we also they also confirmed that they're doing um, John Wick Chapter Three as well. Uh, I don't think they've announced the planned release date for that yet, but basically they'll definitely be um, a third film in the series. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes down when that comes out. So we also got out of New York Comic Con. We got uh, confirmation that the Punisher uh, is getting a solo series and that it's actually started filming. Um, Pretty much every like news website had spoiled this information anyway, so it wasn't really a surprise to anybody um, who was watching. But yeah, we got confirmation of that, which is great. Um, I'm really looking forward to it myself. Um, we don't really know too much. I, I mean, I know they've they've cast um, an actor uh, in a specific role already. Um, we don't really know too much about what the plot details are and things like that, but we do know that. Um, uh, Deborah Ann Wolf's character from Daredevil was returning as well, Karen Page. Um, so she'll be a part yeah. of uh, Punisher as well. Sorry, go on, Richard. Uh, no, 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 I just said that, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so we got that as well, so we know that it's coming and that's on the way. Then um, Marvel dropped some big, big news. And they brought out all of the defenders on stage. So they brought out uh, Charlie Cox and Kristen Ritter and Mike Coulter um, and Finn Jones. Uh, and then they announced who will be playing the villain for the forthcoming TV series, The Defenders, um, that will be coming on Netflix. Um, and then they announced that the villain was going to be played by none other than Sigourney Weaver, um, which I think took everybody by surprise, including the audience who... Um, resorted to a wrestling chant to express their feelings. Um, but I think we can all <laughs> agree that, that with the sentiment of what they were chanting, um, because I certainly didn't expect that to come along. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, the Defenders just went to, like, the top of my list of the things that I'm really looking forward to next year. Um, it already was high up, but it's gone, like, through the roof right now for me so yeah for you guys um, what did you think of Sigourney Weaver's casting and um, has that made you any more interested in the Defenders uh, Richard? But yeah no definitely uh, I'm really interested to see uh, who her character is going to be um, because uh, you know she, she's just an amazing actress uh, she's you know she's one of the original like just badasses you know from day but uh, you know from, from Alien Aliens um, yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I'm not like super. I'm not. Su I'm not super excited uh, to you know to, to see. Body. Um, I know there's a few rumors floating around how she might be linked to Hydra, in one way or another, which wouldn't surprise me because I know that at one point Hydra were actually in charge of the hand, and you know Fisk used to work for Hydra as well in one way or another. But that's missing me going into into comic book land. But um. It's, it's it's good to see. It's good to see like we've got some you know some like a heavyweight actress, uh, you know who can bring some you know bring some how can I put it bring some uh, experience to you know to to the, to the whole series. So yeah, in, in that respect, I'm I'm happy that she's on board definitely. Okay, Richard, it sounded like you just took another tumble. I'm not buying it this time that you didn't. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> Let me see where the mic is on this computer because I just picked up the laptop and I put it on. I put it on my stomach. Okay, because um, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like the Incredible Hulk just ran through your your, your living room door. <laughs> I'm not even a CGI one. It was like the Luther Rigno one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the full on mullet and everything. <laughs> um, Alvin, defenders, excited. Yeah, man. Obviously, I was always looking forward to it. Anyway, uh, like I was kind of shocked because I didn't expect them to get anyone of of that caliber. You know, what I mean, who I I don't associate with anything to do with TV. You know, what I mean, and get them to do a TV project. It must whatever they've got prepared must be shit hot to interest her, especially I reckon. It it must be. Um. So yeah, and I'm looking forward to to what's going on. Uh, I like the fact that they're being secretive because you know you don't have to reveal everything at once. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing as to what's going to go down, as to how it's all going to come together, because obviously we've got a while before before it actually hits. So, so yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm super pumped. As I said, for me right now, it's, it's the most anticipated kind of comic book-related property that, that's coming out next year. Um, I really can't wait. So, 
yeah, fingers crossed they deliver. But I mean, as I said, the, the way they're batting right now, it's <laughs> it's unlikely that the that um, you know they'll deliver a turkey. It's it's really unlikely that that's going to happen. Okay, uh, we also got a Power Rangers trailer now. Um, I have to confess I was never the biggest Power Rangers fan. Um, I did watch a few episodes growing up and stuff, but well, I wasn't even growing up. I was pretty old by the time Power Rangers came out. I'm old listeners for people who are listening. So, um, yeah, Power Rangers, I was still like uncomfortably old to be watching that show. But um, I know uh, Alvin and Richard are fans, so boys, I'm going to leave it up to you to uh, run us through the Power Rangers trailer quickly if you wish to. Um Alvin, you want to start? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's just I watched the trailer, right? And then just the beginning was far too angsty, man. It just felt like because it, obviously it's Lionsgate doing it. It's almost like they went, "Oh, let's like uh, let's paint it out to be like one of these young adult no- novels kind of thing." And it just kind of had that that kind of really angsty. Oh, everything's so bad. I'm a teenager and these are my problems. Oh, bullying and oh, I've got a tag on my freaking ankle, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, that's that to me as a Power Rangers, like you don't have to be super cheesy with it. Like the show was, you can kind of bit, but still have it be fun because that's Power Rangers at the end of the day. If you take yourself mm. too seriously and then it switches at some point to being crazy and insane, and kind of like more fun. I think that would be too jarring. And if they take themselves too seriously as a whole, they've done themselves an injustice because that, at the end of the day, is is not why people enjoy Power Rangers. People enjoy it for just out and out super heroics. That's what people mm. enjoy Power Rangers for. So to start with all this yeah. angsty bullshit, it's just like uh, I think they're playing to a certain crowd, which is smart. But at the same time, it's like, well, why don't you just stick to what the property actually is? Hmm. Yeah, I definitely got like a Dawson's Creek kind of vibe with when I watched it. Um, so it's mm, yeah, I don't know. It, it left me a bit. As, as I said, I'm I'm not a huge huge fan, so um, I was never really that pumped for it anyway. But when I watched it, there was de- they've definitely played that as you said, Alvin, that young adult um, audience card. Uh, let's just hope it's not Twilight with um, ninjas, eh? Uh, Richard. Yeah. Come on, man, say something positive about the Power Rangers trailer. Listen, I, I really didn't mind it. I mean, number one, I'm a, I'm a Power Rangers fan. Uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the reasons or one of the things that got me into martial arts. And, uh, and I think that people that think back to the martial arts in Power Rangers and go like, oh, no, it was, it was, so, it was rubbish or exaggerated. It wasn't. You go back and you watch Power Rangers, right? And you look at... I mean, maybe some episodes were better than others, but the martial arts choreography in that, anybody who says it wasn't good... I'd like to see you do that, yeah? That's number one. Number two, some of the best choreographers, they had some of the best choreographers from Hong Kong working on, on, working on that show. The, uh, one of the most famous that I, I could tell you is bloody... Um, so, who actually did the choreography for Drive with Mark Dacascos, which you've written about, Jake. <laughs> Drive. So, yeah, yeah, so, so anybody, anybody who says that the martial arts in, in Power Rangers isn't good, go back and watch it and, and take it for what it is. Um, I didn't... I really enjoyed the trailer or setup. I mean, like, to me, the original Power Rangers TV show was Dawson's Creek Light anyway. I mean, like, you know, uh, and I don't think that was set up would work in a film. And that's just for the simple fact that when you remember the Power Rangers movie, which came out, like, I think, were, I think, 90, 95 or 96. I mean, that, that's a prime example of why it wouldn't work. I think you're going to have to try and maybe flesh out these characters 
And I think the reason why they've gone for that young these adults who are too old, because if you think about it, like Power Rangers is our generation. And like, can, I just, can I just put out there, if you notice audience, we never actually say our age, we just say that we're old, but we're pushing eight. Yes, <laughs> like, so I think if they were to come, come with that, you know, make it too adult, I think that'd be alienating a very, very large uh, group of people that might go and see the film and obviously generate money, which is what they're after. Um, the thing I wasn't happy about with the trailer was I didn't see the martial arts. But the one thing that makes Power Rangers is the martial arts. Like, to tell the truth, they can make this one of those YA films and they can be cardboard cutouts like all those people from that, that, that film Divergent or the Mortal Instruments, which are just diabolical. But I will go and see it for the martial arts. So, you know, at least I hope that the next trailer that comes out, there's some chop stockies in there uh, and keep me happy because I think that's what everybody wants to see. So, uh, yeah, that's what I have to say on the Power Rangers film. All right, cool. Fair enough. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm not overly keen, but hey, <laughs> it's a movie. I'll go and see it. You know, I'm not going to not go and see it unless I see a like, absolutely horrific second trailer. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what they serve up for that. Okay, uh, and then last thing to touch on from NYCC was uh, the Walking Dead Season 7 teaser footage. Um Alvin, you're the big Walking Dead fan amongst us. Um, did you see the the footage, and what did you make of what's to come for season seven from that? You know what? I can't remember if I did or not. I think I did. I saw something, but it was really quick, though. Is that was that the right thing or not? Or um, well, basically, for for those listening who haven't seen it yet, um, essentially what they put out is what looks like to be the immediate aftermath of when Negan has. Um, oh, that's what that the was on Instagram. Okay, all right. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that, but I did see a trailer. Um, I think a recent one um, that has also been shown on TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, The Walking Dead for me, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm. When it comes on, that's when I'm excited. Before that, I'm not bothered about like all the shit that people are saying, like as to what's going on and what's going to happen next or anything like that. Like, I'll see the trailers and I'll, I'll enjoy it, but literally when the show comes on, that's when like I start to get emotional and stuff like that. But but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But on the day, like you won't even be able to control me. I'll be going nuts. <laughs> All right, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it was it was basically the footage was the the immediate aftermath, and it was Negan kind of confronting Rick and. Rick basically says something along the lines of, um, I'm going to kill you, not today, uh, not tomorrow, but I'm going to kill you. And so then Negan kind of drags Rick off into the RV and then the, the scene kind of cuts there with um, uh, like a slow pan down onto like a load of blood and, and stones and things like that. There's loads of like theories floating around the internet about whose blood it is. Some people have said they've seen uh, a wedding ring in the blood. Um, I couldn't make it out myself. Um, but some people are, are, are pretty insistent that there's a ring there. So they're suggesting that that means that there is um, probably only two characters in, in the lineup who could die at Negan's hand. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Um, I mean, as I said, people have been speculating left, right, and center about uh, who he's killed. Um, I wish they'd just get it over and done with already. Cause as, I said, I'm kind of, as I've said on previous podcasts, I'm just tired of the way they, they love to tease the audience but in a really cheap way um, but yeah Richard did you see the footage 
you know what? I haven't. Uh, it's been on my list to see. But, uh, you know what? Like I said, I, I like The Walking Dead. But after, like, what's this? Season 7? Is it Season 7? Yeah, we're, yeah. Well, we're approaching Season 7 now. Yeah, I yeah. Think, after six seasons of Give or Take, like, the same thing happening. Hey, let's make friends. And then those friends turn out to be, like, weirdos. And then they fight. And then they move to a next patch. And, you know, I, I don't know. And then after what, how they ended, like, the last episode for the last season, which they did, really didn't need to do, uh, I, I'm I'm not fussed. Uh, I'm, I'm like I think I'm along the same lines of like you guys that when the season starts, then yeah, then I'll be in front of my TV watching it. But as to being excited, um, I'd, I'd rather watch reruns of like The Little Sober right now, man. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that would probably be more exciting at this point. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up like the, the key stuff from uh, New York Comic Con. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty, gentlemen. Let's talk about Luke Cage. Now, before I begin, I want to lay down a quick ground rule for those of you who are listening live and for those who are listening to the audio podcast later on. Um, tonight, in honor of one of the characters in Luke Cage pop, we're going to uh, enact a swear jar policy. Uh, that means basically we're not allowed to use any swear words uh, whilst talking about Luke Cage. So you're going to hear lots of alternative swear words, and if you're familiar with the Power Man and Iron Fist uh, comic that Marvel currently published by David Walker and Samford Green, then you should know that Luke Cage's character doesn't swear in the comic book. Instead, he uses alternative words. So that's what we're going to try and do. So you guys are down with that, right? Yep. Yep. Cool, cool. Um, first off, I think we've had uh, quite a few questions on social media, what I have anyway, when I've been putting out the, the feelers about this. Um, and quite a few people have asked, uh, who is Luke Cage? Um, because obviously this TV show is going out to a massive audience, um, to people who may never have heard of, of Luke Cage, the comic book character, before. Um, so I think it's important that we kind of give people some grounding for, for those who, who don't know. So, um, which one of you guys wants to start off on that? Uh, Alvin, do you want to go? Yeah, well, okay, well, it, what, you mean like the origins of... Yeah, I mean, basically, just if you go through, like, sort of the, the canon, quote-unquote canon. Yeah, yeah, from the, from the actual comic. All right, comic. so, yeah. so, yeah, Luke Cage is a character created, uh, I believe, in the early 70s, um, around the black exploitation era of uh, of movies, uh, and he was well, just a, a, a black man. And needed money, and so he was a superhero, and uh, he would do things for money. Uh, later, becoming a hero for hire with obviously Richard's uh, love interest, um, Iron Fist, Danny Rand, uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. I mean, he doesn't have the most kind of the deepest kind of like backstory in terms of like creation of his character and that but it was just influenced about by like what was going on at the time and what people were into and you know he had like a fro a tiara a yellow shirt and blue and blue pants and that was a would have been a cool look back then and that's uh that's pretty much it, it lives in harlem uh it's from the hood and uh and yeah that's that's even the most basic kind of description as to uh, as to who look cages and uh, how he came about yeah, that look, that look that Luke Cage used to wear, man. Trust me, that would have been killing it in um, in, <laughs> in, in what, what was the old the old um, disco nightclub called in New York? Was it Studio Sixty Six? Studios, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Rich. 
Studio 54. 54, that was it. Sorry, Studio 54, yeah. Yeah, he, believe me, he would have been killing it out there. So, yeah, <laughs> context for the, the costume is important to remember. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, he covered most of the, the kind of basic stuff, really. Um, yeah, as, as you said, he was um, somebody who, uh, in the comics, he used to run with a street gang. Um, he was set up by somebody who was his friend uh, and sent to prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Whilst he was in prison, he volunteered for a program which was, I believe it was trying to recreate the super soldier serum that um, Captain America was given. Um, but the actual process was sabotaged by a racist prison guard. Um, and as a result of that, he ended up with these powers. He ended up with... Um, unbreakable skin uh, and with superhuman strength and enhanced endurance and, and things like that as well. Uh, and so he then went out and decided to kind of use these powers that he had um, basically to pay the bills, as Alvin said, because, you know, he was a broke Batman in, in Harlem. So um, that's where the kind of hero for hire uh, comic book came along. Um, it is worth checking out some of those books because um, they really are a, a true slice of, of 70s kitsch and if you're a fan of, of kind of retro um, style storytelling and things like that then um, you know it's definitely worth a watch. Obviously consider that you're, you're reading it in a modern context so there's certain things in there that are not going to be very relevant and are going to sound kind of weird when you read it but it is a lot of fun so um, definitely check it out. Uh, Richard do you want to add anything on top of that? Uh, no, you guys are pretty much uh, just banging nail on the head, really, to tell the truth. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Uh, big, strong black guy uh, wearing disco clothes, just uh, renting his, his, his abilities out. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much it. That is pretty much it. Okay, so, well, as you know, man, we got blessed by um, uh, Cheo Hadari Koka, who is the showrunner for Luke Cage Season 1. Um, and I say blessed because, man, this show is amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, I just, I loved it. I mean, for, for me personally, I mean, Alvin and Richard know this, but I'm a big uh, Luke Cage fan, um, in particular of uh, the work that Brian Michael Bendis did with the character when he kind of reinvented the, the, the character um, towards the back end of, of the 2000s, um, towards the end of sort of 2010 and, and things like that. Um, he really took the character in a different direction and he gave the, the character a lot of flesh and a lot of uh, backstory and he made the character more human um, in a way that other writers up until that point hadn't really done. Um, so I was really, really looking forward to this series. Um, and when I saw Mike Coulter in Jessica Jones and I saw his performance in that and how the character was treated, um, you know, that, that only served to get me even more excited. So when the series came out, I was like, yes, I have to watch this. And I managed to watch the whole thing within, I think it was about two and a half days because I did it pretty much over a weekend. So, um, yeah, it was pretty much two and a half days that I managed to watch the whole series. And my mind was just blown from, from start to finish. Um, but we're going to get into the, all the details and the things we liked and the things we didn't like um, in a moment. So, um, guys, first things first. Where does this rank for you personally um, in terms of a list of the MCU uh, Marvel Netflix shows as they currently are? Where would you put Luke Cage on, on the list? Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, 
I would put it behind. Okay, are we going by seasons? Because remember, Daredevil's had two seasons. Right? Yeah, I mean, Daredevil's at uh, an advantage in that Daredevil has had two seasons now. Um, but I mean, depending on your your opinion of each season, um, you can kind of rank it in in a sense that you can separate the two. So you can separate season one from season two and and create your list that way. Um. Daredevil season one and Luke Cage season one tied for me, and then it's Daredevil season two, and then it's Jessica Jones. I put it in that ranking order. Cool, cool. Uh, Alvin, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, for me, it's um, it's kind of the same, but I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to cop out and uh, and say it's a draw. Uh, I am going to put Daredevil first. Um, but only because uh, there's some stuff towards the, the kind of the way that Luke Cage ended, uh, which I felt was a bit weaker uh, than the way Daredevil season one ended. Um, so, so I'm going to put Daredevil first. Um, but Luke Cage probably depending tomorrow, maybe for me it could be number one. So it can actually change. But but for now, I'll say Daredevil, Luke Cage, Daredevil season two, and then Jessica Jones. Cool. Okay. Um, I've been trying not to cop out, so I'm I'm going to try and not cop out. As things stand at the moment, um, for me, Luke Cage has to be number one. Um, Daredevil season one would be number two, uh, and I, in fact, I would put that joint second with Jessica Jones, um, and then bringing up the rear would be Daredevil season two for me. Um, purely because uh, Luke Cage, I think, is a bit more ambitious than Daredevil Season 1, and I think it hits most of the marks that it's aiming for. Um, Daredevil Season 1, if I'm being hyper, hyper critical, kind of played it a little bit safe. Um, they, they didn't really take any, any risks as such um, with the storytelling, or I didn't feel that anyway. Um, that's not to say it's not excellent, which it is, but I feel like Luke Cage took a few more risks and was a bit braver in some of the things that it, it, it did in terms of its storytelling and its characters and, and so on. Um, but yeah, for me, it would go top. Um, Daredevil Season 1, sec, uh, joint second with Jessica Jones, because I, I just, it, I'm like you, Alvin, it would be tomorrow I might change my mind, but at the moment that's that's how I see it. And then Daredevil Season 2 um, would be third for me. Um, just purely because Daredevil Season 2, I think I really enjoyed it up until the point where the hand came in and then it started to feel really repetitive. Um, but that's just for me personally. Um, and I didn't, yeah, there was quite a few things I, I didn't like. But anyway, this is not about Daredevil Season 2. This is about Luke Cage. So, yeah, we've got our list. So let's move on. Listeners, if you have your um, list or your favorites, then you can add it in the comment section and tell us how you would rank it and why. Um, and, yeah, just, just let us know, man. Run wild with it. All opinions are uh, welcome here. So, um, guys, what was the things that stood out the most for you from Luke Cage? What were the things that you really, really enjoyed in particular? Um, Richie, do you want to go? What did I enjoy in particular? You know what? Yeah. Just Luke Cage. Like, um, 
I mean, obviously, we just did the whole thing of like which season you think stands up, you know, you know, numbers wise and everything. And uh, and I know I did, you know, make Daredevil season one joint pace with with Luke Cage. But you know, I'll, I'll put my hands up and I'm biased. I'm I'm a Daredevil fan. Not said I'm not a Luke Cage fan, but I do agree with your points where you say that um, it really did take a lot more risks with Luke Cage. And it, out of all the series that have come so far, I mean, they did it really well with Jessica Jones. Um, but Luke Cage was, they, they made him that, a man. That's what it was. Which is something that Marvel has been doing with all of their characters anyway, right? You know, that the, the costume or the powers always come second to the actual person who, 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 you know, who owns them. But like with Luke Cage, it was just that whole thing that, especially where he has that power where it's not something that you can, you know, you can always physically see. But, you know, he, he's, he's just that guy. And he's, you know, and, and I like the fact that they just presented him as that guy who doesn't want any trouble. But, you know, something which I'm sure we'll touch about later on is that, but he has that look. You know, you know, have you, you, know, have you heard, ever heard that term, like, you've got a face that someone just wants to slap? Like, he just has that look of just, like, you know, just being a menace anyway. But yet he has this power. And I think they really took that, you know, they could have made him, you know, just that, gone a really stereotypical way of trying to portray this person, and they didn't. And I like that. As I haven't seen somebody portrayed like that who I can identify with in a really long time. And that's the, the one thing that made me stick with the show. Like, it really, it really rung bells on me for that. Like, it's, you know, and, uh, and I think, like you said, I've always known of Power Man. I used to read him when I, when, you know, when I was a kid, when, when he was a Iron Fist anyway. They've really taken those points that Bendis did with him and, you know, and what Bendis did and, and made him such a, a lovable character in the, in the 2000s. Um, which is probably, you know, during that period, he's probably more popular than Captain America. And I think looking at this TV show and the response that it's got, I think it's definitely heading that way as well. But it was, it was just Mark, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. That's the thing that just kept me engrossed in this, in, this, in this whole series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mike Coulter was just, I mean, he was a guy that I was semi-familiar with, um, from uh, his appearances on The Good Wife because he has a, a recurring character on that um, and he was in the Halo film that they did as well um, what was it called Alvin? Was it Forward Unto Dawn? Uh, no, Nightfall, Halo Nightfall Nightfall, that was it, sorry, yeah Forward Unto Dawn is the animated one, right? Uh, no, Forward Unto Dawn was the first web series that they did uh, uh, right, right, before right. Halo 4 came out right, right, gotcha um, yeah, so I remember him from Nightfall as well, um, but you know he he wasn't really somebody who was like a, a well-known character, uh, uh, sorry, a well-known actor. Um, but as you know, Marvel and Netflix seem to be doing really, really well. They they kind of go out of their way to pick people who um, you know have a, a, a somewhat of a profile, but aren't necessarily um, you know the biggest name or. Uh, somebody who, who brings you know box office quote unquote with them, um, and I think what really works well with that strategy is it means they can kind of mould the the actor into um, the part that they want, uh, and it can it means that they the actor is more willing to kind of give uh, of themselves to to the character fully, um, and you find that with every single series they've done so far with with Daredevil, with Jessica Jones, um, and with Luke Cage. Um, with Mike Coulter, they've been able to get a guy who um, has a, obviously has a lot of natural charisma, a lot of natural charm, um, a great presence, um, but is also a very understated um, kind of actor as well. 
so that means that the you know the the strength of the dialogue kind of comes through and, and the strength of, of the direction comes through whenever he performs um, so he's definitely yeah you know he's cemented himself for me as a as a real rising star um, a real rising star so his performance was just amazing absolutely amazing um, Alvin uh, anything that stood out in particular for you? Yeah, for me, there's two things. Number one was like, was the first obvious thing to me is that there's, there's different kinds of black people in it. You know what I mean? It's not mm. just the freaking gangbangers and then that's it. It's like you've got politicians, you've got businessmen, you've just got normal folk, just, just a plethora of different types of black people. And I don't think you often see that on TV, especially with US stuff. It will be that oh, there's black people they're in gangs and shit. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much it. And it reminded me of watching The Fresh Prince because obviously you've got in that, you've got Will, who's obviously like working class black. And then you've got obviously uh, uh, Aunt Viv and the rest of the family. And they're kind of upper class. Uh, and they, they're living the good life. And they're different from Will. You know what I mean? It was kind of just reminded me of that, that, that there's different kinds of black people. Be that in a show where there is black people. And it just kind of just reminded me of that. I was just like, why can't it? And it's not, it doesn't seem forced either. It's, it's just all organic. You know what I mean? And all the characters are just played brilliantly anyway. That, and also another thing that stood out to me is like, kind of like, there seems to be this message about kind of fathers or male role models missing from people's lives. And because of that, people end up kind of getting into stuff that they probably shouldn't get into and isn't going to aid them in any way. And that seemed to be a running theme throughout um, that I thought was quite uh, quite interesting to see because uh, I don't think it's uh, it's really mentioned much or, or tackled in much things. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was another thing that I thought was quite, well, quite well done. And you also saw the consequences of it. That was, uh, that was pretty much it for me. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, before I get into your points, though, Put some money in Pop's swear jar because you swore twice just then. What? What did I say? <laughs> you said fricking, and then I'm pretty sure I heard an S-bomb. Rich, did you hear that? I don't know, but you said the fricking word is not swearing. Well. Put money in the swear jar as well. Fricking is not swearing. <laughs> no, it's not. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Okay, hold on, hold on. We're going to break it down nice and simple. If you were in church, we'd use the F-word. <laughs> Which F word? <laughs> Alvin, that stumble gave you away, man. He gave you away. Put, put the money in. I'm gonna put my money in, so you put your money in. <laughs> all right. I didn't know that. That's, I don't think that's a swear word, but all right. It's just, it's right. Okay. Okay. Would you say it in church? That doesn't prove nothing, though. Would you say? It in front of, would you say it in front of grandma? Freaking. Um, no, no. Ah, probably not. not. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Pop's jar is going to be full by the end of yeah. the night. I can get caught out. I can feel it. It's gonna be like that, that, like that scene from Joe's when he's like, "We're gonna need a bigger jar." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much so, man. But yeah, no, you you raised a lot of good points there, Alvin. Um, so yeah, we're definitely going to have to break all of that down because there's a lot that, about race that this show says and, and deals with um, and deals with in, in a very, very clever and, and very smart way, I found. Um, a way that, that kind of, I felt, didn't, doesn't really alienate the audience but makes its point 
um, which is you know one of the reasons why I love some of the risks that they took with the show. Um, what were the memorable kind of characters for you guys and, and the scenes that, that kind of stood out specifically from the series that you can remember? Um, Rich, you want to go first? Um, my man Shades. Shades, was, <laughs> Shades uh, listen. They just slicker than he was slicker than a rich man's taxes, as <laughs> like, somebody said to me. Um, Shades definitely just stuck out. Um, I've only known the actor to be in Sons of Anarchy, and in the, in Sons of Anarchy he, he played a bit of a, a bit of a wuss. Yeah, Fio Rossi, he's, he's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But but this one he just came in smooth and and was just calculating, and yeah, just, just perfect, perfect. Uh, him, uh, definitely. What's his name? Diamondback. Diamondback came mm. in. Listen, he ca he came in like how the Winter Soldier came in in, in, the, in Captain America. <laughs> he came in like a force of nature, and took over the show. So you know, so I think def definitely big props need to be given to that guy. Cottonmouth, I think, when I look back at when I think back to it, he was a good character, but kind of started to trail off towards the end. So when you know, spoilers spoilers abound. You know, so when he is actually written out the show, you're kind of like, ah, well, you know what. You obviously didn't have what it what it took to you know to do what it do what you needed to do, but then the other person, uh, Cottonmouth's cousin, uh, what's the name? Mariah? Is it Mariah? Right? Yeah, Mariah. Black Mariah yeah, Black Mariah. Alfred Woodward. Um, yeah, she she went she went to a whole new different type of level of uh, damn it, we can't even swear, can we? Um, a whole new level of uh, um, skullduggery. That's it. Thank you very much, Jason. Holy <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah. Um, but I think for all the characters that stood out for me the, the most, Shades were definite because he was a new character and he really, really held the screen. Um, Claire Temple, we finally got a, we finally got a, a chance to see her really, really shine instead of being uh, a secondary character like she has been in the other TV shows. This one, she had a lot more work to do, especially since she started to become like the love interest for Cage as well. But um, but I'm definitely gonna stick with Shades. Like Shades, Shades did me proud, man. Like I, he he would make me become a, a super villain if I had if I had bad power if I had superpowers. So yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you with Shades. Um, it's it's funny because I was watching it around the same time as a, a mutual friend of ours, and um, they didn't like Shades at all, like as, as a character. Um, they just felt the character wasn't very effective in the story. Um, and I could kind of understand where they were coming from when they were saying that because his role is very subtle but it's really only until right towards the end of, of the season when he certainly enacts a, a few things that, that really kind of solidify his status as okay this guy is cold-blooded like he really doesn't give a monkeys what anybody <laughs> feels. <laughs> that was close. Um, he really doesn't give a monkey's what anybody feels or thinks. Um, you know, as far as he's concerned, it's it's interesting because in, in the show they make out like, well, I got the sense that he kind of sees the world um, kind of like a, like a chessboard almost and people are just pawns and you just move them around depending on you know what best serves your needs um, and because it's done in a very subtle way in a very understated way at first um, I could see why uh, this mutual friend of ours wasn't that convinced by him but as I said once you 
get into the show and you really start watching the show, you, you begin to pick up what it is he's actually doing here and you think, ah, oh, that is why he's, you know, that is why he is who he is, that's why he's risen to the position that he's risen to. Um, and towards the end, that's why kind of Diamondback acknowledges that he's a bit of a threat to him now. Um, so, you know, he, he really is a, a really well-written character um, and very, very well played by Fiora Rossi, I thought. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, one of the characters that, that stood out for me was Misty Knight. Um, Misty Knight is, is a character I'm a, a big fan of. And uh, when they cast Simone Misek in the role, uh, I wasn't too sure where they were going to go with her because I'd never heard of her before, before at all. Um, apparently she hasn't done much acting work um, and nothing really significant. So I was kind of like, wow, they've really gone like, out of their way to find somebody who's completely, you know, not on the radar in terms of, of Hollywood casting agents and, and things like that, or, or somebody who's in the public eye. Um, but apparently when Jeff Loeb and, and Cheo Hadari Coco were doing screen tests, she was one of the first people in um, to test for the role. And um, rumor has it, as soon as she left the room, they were kind of like, yeah, we're done. Like, we don't, we don't need to find anybody else. We've got our misty night. Um, from the moment she kind of came on the screen, I was I was drawn to her. Um, she has a tremendous kind of presence about her, and and just naturalness in on the camera that is very very difficult to to pull off. You know, it's it's really hard um, for anybody who listens to this who's got acting experience. It's it's hard to come across as natural on the camera because you know, human nature and the way we've, we've kind of been raised to, to be aware of when we're being filmed and what the implications of being filmed might mean, means that we kind of, you know, react in a certain way to that. But she was just natural, just so natural. Every line she delivered, she delivered it with, um, you know, with the right amount of poise, with the right amount of emotion, with the right amount of feeling. Um, and it was it was just captivating, captivating to watch. And then that early bedroom scene, I was like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right." <laughs> I think I have myself a new woman crush. Nice. Um, <laughs> but you know, she was just she it was just a really, really, really enjoyable performance from her. Um, really, really great. So I enjoyed her. Um, but there's so many kind of moments. So we'll we'll get down into the the kind of moments, the the dialogue and the scenes and specific scenes and things like that that we liked as well. Um, there was one particularly powerful scene which goes back to what you were saying earlier, Alvin, about um, race and the way that the show handles uh, the issue of race. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the scene. I think it's um, at the beginning of the episode, uh, just after. Uh, Pop is killed. Sorry, spoilers for anybody listening, but you should know we're going to spoil a living heck out of this, so too bad. But um, do you guys remember that scene where um, Luke is, is scoping out the um, the front house where yeah. they've uh, Cottonmouth has stashed, I think, a lot of his money um, and his weapons. I think it's in the uh, Atticus Christmas building. Christmas Atticus building, sorry, yeah. Um and Luke is kind of observing the building and uh, a young kid comes up to him with a gun and points a gun at his head and says, you know, something along the lines of what are you doing here, nigger, or something like that. Um, and Luke kind of gives this uh, monologue, that, well, not even a monologue, really, this diatribe to this kid where you can kind of see, um, you know, the events of, of what's just happened to Pop have been affecting him and he's been kind of considering his position in 
this scenario up until that point and you know he kind of says look kid I've had a long ass day you know it's not been a good day bad things have happened to me um, you know Pop was trying to stand up and do the right thing he got killed while I was laying in the cut doing nothing um, you know and he said he basically turns to the kid, grabs the gun and puts it to his head and he says, you know, you think you see a nigger standing in front of you? Alright, well shoot me then, shoot me. Come on nigger, I ain't got all night. And it was just like so powerful the way he did it and the kid's reaction as well, like the kid, the look on the kid's face is like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and it was just the power, of the, of the, the way that which um, Mike Coulter kind of delivered that scene and, and delivered the frustration that, that Luke had been feeling up until that point. Um, and also showed that he was at his, his tipping point, basically, the point where he's going to embrace being a hero and he's not going to hide away in, in the shadows anymore. That, I thought, was just fantastic TV, just brilliant the way they'd done it. I mean, it was as good as anything you'd, you'd see in, you know, The Wire or or any other show like that, that that's highly rated. Um, you know, it was fantastically well shot and, and fantastically... Um, acted by the two of them, and that really, from then on, I was like, this show is is beyond, you know, just a, a good comic book adaptation. This show is is just brilliant TV, full stop. You know, so that was a moment for me that really, really stood out. Um, was there any specific scenes, um, Alvin, that you can think of that that stood out for you like that, or, or? specific scenes? Uh, well, the specific scene I, I'm thinking of also has my favorite line as well. Um, so it's when, uh, well, when we've first kind of properly been introduced to uh to diamondback and we, we actually see his face and who he actually is uh and it's the bit where him and luke are in the street and uh and luke says to him that uh i loved you like a brother and then obviously spoilers uh we diamondback responds with nigger i am your brother and then he just shoots him i was just like i wasn't expecting that and i was just like proper hey that line was badass and B, just like, I just didn't see that coming. I didn't see the story. Like, once Cottonmouth got obviously disposed of, and I had no idea as to where it was going to go. And then with the whole Diamondback stuff, that's what it's kind of really about in a way. It's kind of like Cottonmouth kind of leads into Diamondback actually being the big bad of, of the series. And that's when I was like, okay, this is going in, in a completely kind of just swerved and went in the next direction, which I actually quite liked. Mm -hmm. I love the kind of um, the juxtaposition of, of the two villainous characters or, or the two main villainous characters. There's actually three, um, as Richard pointed out, uh, Mariah Dillard, um, Black Mariah as she's known in the comic books, yeah. um, is, uh, turns out to be quite a villainous character too um, and really comes into her own um, after the, the point where Cut and Mouth is killed. Um, but I really love the juxtaposition and, and the contrast between Cottonmouth and uh, Diamondback because with Cottonmouth you had somebody who was quite calculating, um, who was very cold um, but still very methodical in, in kind of what he did and the way he kind of approached um, the, his business and protected his business. Whereas Diamondback was just kind of like a ball of barely concealed rage. He was just like... He, he was just, as, as Richard said, you know, he was like a force of nature. He came in and literally shook everything up. Um, and I think that's exactly what the show needed at that point. It needed somebody to come in and completely shake everything up and, and shake the foundations of, of what had been laid before. Um, and he did that superbly. The way he just kind of dived into 
the, the show and, and dived into that role was was phenomenal. Um, and that scene in particular, yeah, was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So um, yeah, it's <laughs> that is definitely one of the standout moments for me as well. Um, Rich, for you, were there uh, any specific moments or, or dialogue that springs to mind? Um, yeah, uh, but before I, before I say it, hey, does the N-word count as the use of a swear word? No, because we're quoting the, the show, so Listen, I think we'll word. give that a pass. Yeah, you crooks. You're crooks. Chasing Diamondback, that's what I'll call you. Chasing Diamondback. You know what? one of the scenes that stood out for me and is... I know there's always that defining scene where, where, where the hero is like kind of like just propelled it in, in, in that direction. And I think for me, it's when um, the first episode, the whole lead up to Luke Cage just going about just doing his business and just being a normal guy. And then is when the, you know, when they reach the episode where, where Pop's barbershop gets shot, gets shot up. And the last thing that, you know, when it's like a, uh, when Pops basically says, you know, you know, the mantra that that he that he says that he find that he says to every single child or every or everybody in the hood, and it's just and like I said, like like Alvin was saying, is that whole thing about, you know, about fathers missing and having that guidance, uh, you know, to to push you forward. So so when I think back to that bit where you see like Luke Cage just holding him, and then later on later on down the point when I think he talks to the guy or he talks to somebody else, and and one of the guys says, well, you know what, the bullet probably ricocheted off you. And hip hop, and I just I just think back to it, and, and it just does kind of just like just grasp at, at, at my heartstrings when you know, when he just says that final mantra, and then like Cage just holding him, and like he can do any he can do anything in the whole entire world. He can, you know he's super strong, you know you find out he doesn't really age, but the one person who's taken him in and given him this chance, and allowed him to lead somewhat of a normal life, has now been taken, and he can't do anything. That was a really standout scene for me. Um, the scene where Mariah kills Cottonmouth, and Shades just comes down, smooth, <laughs> smooth like syrup vodka, and literally just, <laughs> and literally just talks her into like, okay, listen, this is what happened, this is what you're gonna, say. and blah 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 blah, and we're gonna go have McDonald's. <laughs> so, <laughs> those those scenes really really stood out for me. But um, off the top of my head as well, nothing else. Um, but I'm I'm sure there is, but I, I just can't think of it right now. That's cool, man. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We've still got time. But, um, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I love those, um, all of those scenes that you guys picked up, man. They're, they're just all part of, of what made that show so compelling, really, um, and what made it so awesome. Um, Alvin, earlier you mentioned about the, the lack of fathers, and um, that's an interesting thing that they did with the show because the, the big theme that was jumping out for me was legacy. Um, and people kind of dealing with the legacy of either their own actions or actions of others that were done to them and, and kind of how how you, you live with the legacy of, of, of what you've got. Um, you know, for me, with, with the character of Luke Cage, it was kind of the legacy of... He's dealing with the legacy of um, his father not really kind of being much of... Um, an influence in his life once he, he got in trouble with the law. Um, he's dealing with the legacy of, of what happened to him in prison and his experiences there and what he went through um, and the consequences of, of those experiences and whether or not he should you know fully embrace uh, what he has become as, as a part of that or whether he just wants to have you know the quiet life and the peaceful life. 
Um, and then with uh, Cottonmouth and with Mariah Dillard, it's you know the legacy of their childhood and the fact that um, Mariah was you know <clears throat> pushed to be this student to you know to study the law and to learn the law because you know that's what um, their mother who was wow she was a monster in that show my goodness yeah um, yeah <laughs> their mother was absolutely I can't remember her name now it's it's completely escaped me but wow she just yeah <laughs> if you haven't seen the 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 flashback sequences. Go back and watch the flashback sequences of that. They're they're just they're immense. Um, but yeah, it's it's her and and young Cottonmouth kind of dealing with you know this overbearing toxic parent who um, has decided that you know Cottonmouth is going to be a gangster whether he likes it or not, even though he loves. Um, music and you know he, he obviously has a talent for it and wants to pursue a career in that um, you know his mother has said no you're the you're a man so you're going to become a gangster it's as simple as that um, and you know I loved that that scene where um, Pistol Pete is is killed um, where Pistol Pete is kind of like saying to the young Cottonmouth look you know um, I was the one who was pushing you to get out of this life. I want you, you know, I see your talent and I want you to kind of do, um, you know, to, to use your talent for, for something good. I don't want you to, to become what your mother wants you to become. Um, but then Mariah enters the picture and is like, you deserve everything that's coming to you. And then we realize that, that um, Pistol Pete, who is uh, the mother's partner, I believe, a business partner, um, has actually been uh, abusing Mariah um, it's hinted at that you know she's been sexually abused by him, um, and so you, this whole scene plays out, and you're just like, what the hell is this? Like, you know, how could there be such a screwed up family? And yet, it's very real in the sense that you know people have gone through things like this before with their families, have been through, um, you know, unfortunately had to deal with uh, toxic parents and and the legacy of that. Um, and the show really plays, takes its time to, to play out those kind of things and, and those elements and to show that, you know, there is always going to be a consequence to whatever action and decision you make. So whatever you choose to do, you know, that's fine. You can choose to do that in the moment, but understand that there will be consequences of it. And even in the scene where um, Cottonmouth is killed, um, you know, the, the consequence of that was... Um, or, or that came about as a consequence of him arguing with uh, Mariah about her trying to, you know, side, side distance herself from the business, and him kind of saying, "No, you're you're a much you're as much a part of this as I am. Um, you know, you can't kind of hide behind politics and your law degree. You're you are what you are, just like I am what I am." Um, so it really, you know, the show really takes its time to to play that out, which I really really loved. Um, it, it just shows that. Marvel kind of are, are really invested in these characters and in telling their stories in um, an effective way and telling their stories in a realistic way too. Um, and, you know, that's been one of the things that, that has continued on from Daredevil and from Jessica Jones um, into Luke Cage is, is giving this sense of realism um, and grounding these heroes. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's... You know, it's almost like the character comes first and the powers come second, um, and that's clearly the, the the path that they took with Luke Cage, and I think it worked brilliantly for it myself. So, yeah, that was something that that definitely stood out for me. 
Um, we've got to talk about my girl Claire Temple as well because um, Rosario Dawson is just the queen, man. Like she, she just is. Like <laughs> she's just the queen. Like the, the you know, I, I, I run out of, of, of things to say about about Rosario Dawson. She just is. She's so amazing at everything. It's just like, you know, whatever she does, it's just amazing. But I love her, her Claire Temple because, you know, she's feisty, she's independent, she doesn't really, re you know, her story doesn't really rely on any other character um, to go anywhere, so to speak. Um, and in Luke Cage, I love the fact that she's, as you mentioned earlier, Richard, she's really given a chance to, to kind of shine and to kind of flesh out the, the, the character of Claire Temple. Also, I've got to mention this before I forget, I love the fact that they called her Night Nurse, that Sugar called her Night Nurse in that as well. That was yeah. just brilliant. I love that. <laughs> that was fantastic. I was just like, yes, because you know we've all been waiting for somebody to call her the Night Nurse. Literally, we've all been waiting for it. And finally it happened, and I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But she's just great. She, she's so, so good in this. Um, you know, this, this, I checked on IMDb before we recorded this, and apparently she's only in, like, three episodes. And I was like, really? It doesn't even feel like that because it feels what? like... Are you sure? Yeah, apparently it's only three episodes, they're saying. Um, wow, because God, of, so I don't fun. know if that's um, her screen time added up. If, like, if you add up her screen time, it, it amounts to three episodes because I'm sure she pops up in, in more than that. Um, but, yeah, apparently in terms of screen time, like it's three episodes that she's in and yet it just like it feels like she's in it from start to finish because A, she flows so naturally with all the other characters that she encounters um, and B, you said she's just so good <laughs> like Rosario Dawson's just so good as an actress that um, you really don't notice the fact that she wasn't in it from episode one so yeah, she, she really really kills it man she she just kills it, she's just oh, she's brilliant man, I've, I've run out of like positives because <laughs> I just because I just she's she just my queen and that's the end of it really <laughs> um, so yeah uh, where did you see Luke Cage fitting in with the Defenders and the overarching story um, in terms of uh, what we're getting with regards to um, the Defenders, they've, they've kind of hinted at things like the Hand, but we've also had mentions of this particular company, which is producing um, a lot of experimental drugs and things like that, which I believe is called um, ICH, or is it IGH? I can't remember. Is it IGH, guys? I actually can't remember. No, I need to watch the show again. Yeah, I think it's ICH. It's the one that's in, um, they mention it a lot in Jessica Jones, and it's kind of hinted at in Daredevil Season 2 as well, I believe. Okay. It's, it's mentioned in that as well. Um, but it seems to be this, this company that is creating um, these drugs from where we don't know, um, and it's kind of mentioned in Luke Cage as well, um, particularly with the, doc the, with the doctor who is um, treating Luke Cage at a certain point in the show, um, that he gets his drugs from uh, this place, or it seems to be hinted at that he's getting his drugs from this company. So um, I'm wondering whether that is going to be somehow tied into the Defenders, and maybe that's where Sigourney Weaver's character comes in. Um, but what do you guys think so far in terms of, if you look at like the three shows as you know one big story, where do you see that leading us to? Um, Rich, you want to go? 
Yeah, well, I, I think definitely, um, I mean, this, this is just off, just off my head from like Easter eggs that have been laid. Uh, definitely the hands, I think, are going to play like a, a big part in the, in, as, as, a main, as the main villains uh, for the defenders. Uh, I think, I think Punisher is going to be in it as well. I think he, he will be in it at, at some point, uh, if not for the whole duration of the series, but at least at some point. Um, I'm thinking to myself as well, like, when you look at the series that's actually coming out, um, it almost feels like everything that's happened in between Daredevil season one and, and, uh, and what's going to be coming from in Iron Fist season one, everything has just been a filler in to lead to this whole Defenders thing. So I can only assume that I think Danny Rand coming back to New York to take over Rand Industries might somehow be linked with uh, this whole uh, this whole drug thing, and maybe everything that's going to be happening in New York since the since the incident. Uh, just like you know, just the way how you see how what's been happening in Harlem and the way how they're trying to go about their like you know Black Mariah is trying to go about her business, and then you go to like you know um, Hell's Kitchen and you see how Tisk is trying to go about his business. So I'm trying to think: is this everything that's is this one thing that's all going to be linked? To the hand, and it's just just one just big plot that the hand have just been laying like little you know, strands and just stringing people along just to help them you know, do what they want to do. Um, so I think that might be heading that way. Um, anyway, am I answering the question? What's the question again? Have I, have I got enough for the time? <laughs> you, it's all right, man. You've done a Richard special. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, it, I mean, you've you've kind of covered it anyway, but it was more um, in terms of Luke Cage specifically. Was there anything in that that you saw? that could kind of lead us um, or give us any clues as to what was to come with uh, the defenders with the way that that show went. Oh yeah, okay, so, okay, yeah, so the introduction of Colleen Wing, I mean, I mean, that, that, that's, that's my most favourite, that's my favourite Easter egg that I saw in the defenders. And that was literally just at the end where you see Luke Cage, you know, being taken away and, um, and then, in fact, the whole end of Luke Cage, I think is basically, is, is a real um, eye-opener to what's going to be coming up next. And it reminds me somewhat of like the end of Winter Soldier. Whereas like when you see the majority of, let's say, let's just use the Marvel films as an example. The Marvel films usually have that, like, you know, like the little, you know, um, end credit sequence, which kind of, which is, which is a God given. It's like, the you know, tag scene, they, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah like a cut scene. And then, and then it, it takes you, then it shows you what's going to come next. But like with the Winter Soldier, it had ramifications of what happened in it that, that film. And then, the, and it's the same thing where you've got that whole, um, you've got Trouble Man playing by Marvin Gaye. And then you see the Winter Soldier going here. Uh, you see Black Widow in, you know, in court. And all of that seems to have like a, a big fallout, what leads into, into Civil War. With, um, with the end of Luke Cage, I mean, like my most favorite thing at the end, at the end scene is uh, Claire Temple, like I said, walking past that, that um, lamppost as she takes a ticket off a, off a poster. And it's for Colleen Wing's um, martial arts dojo. So you know for a fact that she's going to be, you know, she's next going to appear in, in um, Anthus, which is going to then lead into the Defenders, which, like we've already discussed, that the hand is probably going to be, so, you know, maybe the main villain, if not one of the main villains, which was hinted at all the way in, in Daredevil, Daredevil Season 1. Uh, the other thing that I liked was um, uh, Cottonmouth. No, oh, that Diamondback, sorry, Diamondback in, in hospital. Mm. Find out that the you know the the doctor treating him is a person that treated Luke Cage, who managed to find like the missing CD that was uh um that uh, that Reva kept 
So, you know, so, so you've kind of got all of these things. Now I, I think, now that all these people have had their own mini-series, so to speak, and when it comes to Defenders, I think that their universe is going to just get a little bit bigger and make, but, you know, but, and just show how small they really are. And that's really going to, I think, propel them as to how these people are really going to have to, these four people are going to have to band together and join forces to fight against a, you know, a bigger bad than they've, than they've ever seen. You know, you know, they're just, it's a just Wedding thing. It's Buffy. Like, you know, Buffy teams up with this person and that person and Cumberlight season seven, she's teamed up with X amount of people and she's fighting against all the bad people and then they all live happily after. That's it. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Uh, Alvin, did you want to add anything, man? I don't have a clue, man. Like, I have no idea. Like, all I know is that there's things being weaved throughout each each show, some more obvious than others, uh, that are, I reckon are probably going to play an important role. Um, just to mention, also, I like the fact that uh, in Luke Cage, um, we saw uh, some Hammer Hammer industry stuff. Mm. Um, so, like, obviously, that called back to uh, Iron Man Two, uh, which probably a lot of people anything to do with Justin Hammer whatsoever, uh, apart from what was that one shot that they did that was on the Thor DVD? Uh, Hail to uh, the King. Yeah, that one. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good to see that. Obviously, that company's still about the selling black market, obviously, goods um, to to criminals and all that. But that's just a side note. Uh, but yeah, no, I have no, I have no idea. I just, but I, just, I do think that there's going to be a lot of little things that they've, that they've weaved in that you not know about that are all going to kind of come together and maybe there'll be some kind of big reveal of some sort and it'll be something major but all, all I can say is that these shows and the way they've linked them all together uh, obviously with Claire being like the Coulson of these Netflix shows um, it's just been like, it's just been done so well that wherever they're going they already know as to how they're going to get there it's just it's just up to us to have to wait to obviously see it and, and see their, their master plan because they definitely had a master plan in place because this has been done brilliantly so far. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, man. I loved the, the Hammer Tech references. That was just... <laughs> that that was great because with Hammer, it was kind of like just used in Iron Man 2 and then that was it. They kind of just disregarded it, as you said, apart from... Um, mm. Justin Hammer appeared in, in Hell to the King. So the fact that they actually called back to that um, in this show was, was really, really good. Um, the callbacks to um, the Avengers were, were quite cool as well. Um, I liked the, the kid kind of selling the DVDs of, of the incident and yeah. the Blu-ray saying, you know, you can get it in 4K, get it in 4K, man. <laughs> I liked all of those kind of little Easter eggs and, and those little touches. Um, Diamondback's suit is almost note perfect to the comics as well. And I was really kind of thinking, like, how are they going to pull this off? Because the problem with Luke Cage being a 70s comic book character is that a lot of his enemies are just so ridiculously outlandish that they, they just don't perform well on the screen. So I was thinking maybe they'll just, you know, not bother. But they actually did the suit, and it looked perfect. Like, and I couldn't believe they'd managed to pull it off without it looking stupid as well. Um, that, that was just incredible. Um, and yeah, I like the the end scene as well with the doctor um, treating Diamond back in in hospital because uh, we know that means Diamond back is getting his powers now. So um, they set things up very nicely for a second season there. Um, let's hope they get one touch wood. Um, they haven't said anything yet, but um, I think 
you know, we've got a good chance of, of getting one. If they were able to break Netflix servers because so many people were, were trying to watch New Cage at once, then, you know, I think I think Netflix should be happy with the, the numbers they're getting. So, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get a second season in there. Um, but I also liked the, the Colleen Wynn reference as well. That was a nice little touch too. Um, yeah, that was very clever. Um, and it just hands us over nicely into to Iron Fist. Um, but in terms of things for the defenders, yeah, it was it was it was difficult to make anything out as said apart from all I noticed was the references to this company, this um, ICH uh, company. Um, so I'm thinking somehow they might figure into things. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm I'm just speculating here, but. Um, yeah, maybe they might figure into things in in the defenders going forward. So, yeah, that will be that'll be very interesting to see. Definitely very interesting to see. So yeah, um, man. Oh my God, we've gone so long and we've not even talked about the music. <laughs> like <laughs> the music <laughs> in in this show is is immense. Like I knew it was going to be good when they had um, Ali Shahid uh, Mohammed as the music supervisor. Um, for those who don't know, he was uh, a producer for Tricor Quest. Um, I knew the music was going to be immense when when he was involved, but I I just I don't think I was ready for how immense it was. Like the way that they use music to kind of to to kind of tell you exactly what is going on in every scene is just unbelievable. Like and even the original compositions that they put together, they're so good. Like they. You know, there, there's no kind of reliance on auto-tune or anything like that. You know, every composition uses real instruments, real orchestras, and it just adds so much more authenticity and so much more of a feel of, of, of Harlem to the show. Um, and I've never been to Harlem before in my life, and I watched that show and I felt like I'd been to Harlem, you know? Um, and that was a large part down to uh, the music and, and the clever way that it's done. Um, was there any specific kind of uh, music beats that, that stood out to you guys? Because I know Cheo Hadari Koka said, you know, he wanted it to feel like listening to an album when you, you watch the show, um, in that you kind of, you know, absorb every track, that, as we used to do before the days of streaming and iTunes and everything else. Um, so was there any kind of specific tracks or, or songs that, that stood out for you in, in the show, um, Alvin? Uh, yeah, like the the original kind of like music for the show. Uh, so, like the theme uh, was done by Adrian Young, who um, you may have heard his stuff in uh, Black Dynamite. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> and obviously, there you go. Black Dynamite is obviously a black exploitation kind of mm. sent up a parody. Um, but if if you listen to kind of like the songs, they all sound like black exploitation period pieces. It's like it's like crazy because I, I first I thought no, I'm, I'm dreaming this up, but especially during the episode where we see uh, kind of Luke's. Uh, kind of origin in prison and that, which was very black exploitation with the whole kind of like uh, with the racist prison guard and all that kind of business with the redneck prison guard. You can, if you pay attention to the music, and it is like one hundred percent kind of like seventies, but subtle. You know what I mean? It doesn't it doesn't seem out of place or anything like that. Uh, but my favorite track uh, was what's he called? It's called Jadena. Long live yes. the chief. Yeah, Jadena. Yeah, that was that was a that was a tune. Yeah, I, I like that tune a lot, man. That was sick. And there was a lot of like good, kind of, pretty much everyone who appeared in the uh, what was the club called? 
was it? It was it Paradise, right? Paradise. Sorry, yeah, Paradise. Paradise. It's based on. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's called Paradise Club, but it's based okay. on um, a historic uh, Harlem nightclub called the Cotton Club. Um, which I yeah. think was around for a very long time, but and um, I remember in, in one of the interviews with uh, Cheo Coker, he was saying that um, basically Paradise Club in in their show was like the modern version. So it was like if Cotton Club had survived to this day, this is what it might have you know might have looked like, and these are the kind of artists you might have seen perform there. But yeah, sorry, go. On. Yeah, but pretty much every artist that appeared uh, in those scenes. Absolute, absolute tunes. Absolute, mm. absolute tunes. It was good, mm. and um, and yeah, music played a very important role, like yeah. more so than kind of any show. Just again, it's all it was, it's about variety. Those those different kind of things, those old stuff, those new stuff. It's different, different flavors, different beats. It's so good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich. Was there anything um, on the soundtrack that stood out for you? Uh, you know what. Going back to like the like a, let's say really really good scenes, but it's the one it's the one that you said, Alvin, uh, and and the reason why it did work is was because of the music and the visuals as well. Is that mm. scene where he comes out of the chamber, and he's got the tiara, and he's got the you know the shackles on, and he's he's in that Luke Cage you know seventies outfit. Um, it just sounded like it's thinking about it. It just really did sound so. Yeah, when he's breaking out of prison, if you good. listen to that track when he's breaking out of prison, man, that's. Yeah. Like, That's proper like black exploitation music. It's beautiful, but then it, but then it also just rings symbolic. Whereas like, there's also that whole thing that he's stuck in prison, and it, um, and you know without trying to sound political, but it's almost as if he is breaking the shackles of slavery where he is. Like he's just this this big black guy who's been sent to go and fight, mm. and then and, and it's almost like you can feel him uprising as he breaks off the shackles, and you know, and then he starts to smash the wall. And it, it truly the song that goes with the visual, it truly does just portray him just running for his freedom mm. that's the best and that song that plays in our background it, just, it really really stuck with me i think and plus them the, the theme tune the theme tune is just yeah, like man. I'm, I'm still humming it now like <laughs> when i'm at work and stuff you know mm. but but that scene where he comes out of the chamber yeah perfect spot on mm. yeah no that's an excellent point that you brought up because it um i i agree with you 100 percent. i think that was a deliberate kind of way of showing that um, they'd broken out of um, slavery with, with that, you know, the, the, the slavery allegory and, and the slavery kind of, um, I, I guess the, the, the symbolism of it, you know, that, as you said, Rich, that, you know, that the fact that this black man has broken the shackles and has broken, has physically broken free from um, this place that is imprisoned him, um, I think was very deliberate. And the music for, for that scene, yeah, it, it fits it perfectly. Um, also, Alvin, yeah, I agree with you about Jadeno and, and Long Live the Chief because that, that was a perfect song for that scene. I love the fact that um, they kept cutting to Cottonmouth's um, face while the, the, um, Jadeno was performing on stage and you could kind of see, like, I think, if I remember rightly, they, they kind of cut it alongside with, with scenes of his goons going around roughing people up and, and um, were, were, you know, going around collecting more of the money and, and smashing up storefronts and things like that. Um, and he had that kind of look of of menace, like yeah, you know, this is my this is my war tune, basically. This is my my war anthem. I'm getting ready for war now, you know. Um, and that was very clever. I loved that. Um, I can't believe they got out the Delphonics as well. I was like, where did they pull out the Delphonics from? And the real Delphonics? Like, yeah. I thought they were dead. And I was <laughs> <accused> as well. <laughs> yeah. 
but they pulled that out, and I was like, nah, man, wow, they pulled out the Delphonics and brought them out on stage as well, and they killed it. <laughs> they did all the, the, the sidestep routine, you know, the 10-minute sidestep routine <laughs> before somebody starts to sing, they did all of that. That, that was amazing, man. That, that really was like, it, it just, like, I watched that, and I was just, like, proud to be a black man. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, I, I don't know why, but that I watched that and I was just like, damn, it feels good to be black, man. <laughs> it just feels good. I, I can't explain why I, I, I came to that feeling, but, you know, that that's the way it left me feeling, man, for, for sure. But, yeah, the music in in every single thing was, was, just, was just perfect. It was just absolutely on point. Um, you know, with every kind of thing they've done, the tune with um, that Method Man does, because um, Method Man has a cameo yeah. as well, and that cameo is handled brilliantly. It's so funny the the way it's done. It's like it's you, it's like, nah, nah, man, it's you. Like, you know, the way they play it out is is really good. And the, the um, what's it called? Bullet, I think it's called Bulletproof Hero. Is it or something like that? Is that the name of the track? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that's a really good track as well. And the lyrics are, are quite meaningful, both for the show and for kind of um, the politics that, that surrounds the, the show and, and the issues that are confronting um, a lot of black Americans at the moment. Um, you know, it's it, it just perfect. And, yeah, whoever it was who put that together is just a, a genius, man. An absolute genius. So, wow, just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so the music really, really was the perfect compliment. So to Adrian Young and to Ali Shaheed Mohammed, we, we salute you, man. That was, You guys did a, a superb job in a way that, that nobody has done on a, a TV show before. So credit to you, man. Credit to you. All right, well, um, we've got about six minutes left, so I think we can start to bring this one home. Um, so guys, do you want to uh, give me a score out of 10 for Luke Cage and wrap up? Um, with your final thoughts. He's going uh, first. Uh, well, you spoke first. So you okay. <laughs> I knew I was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine um, just because, like I was saying earlier, there's some things about the final episode. Like I felt the climax happened uh, way too early, but obviously the climax kind of starts at episode nine, the end of episode nine. And then so by the, like, 15 minutes in it's it's done kind of then the rest is all kind of wrapping up and that that took a while but interesting because obviously claire's like i've got a friend who's a lawyer and everyone's like oh okay matt murdoch somehow at some point maybe in daredevil season three we're gonna see matt murdoch well get get luke cage out of jail maybe not who knows uh, but it's gonna happen at some point in the future um but but yeah it's just yeah, the the way it just ended i was happy with the way it ended but it didn't climax for me in the right way. So so I'd have to give it a nine just because of that. Cool. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, Rich? Uh, yeah, I, I'd give it a nine as well. Just because ten would mean that it's perfect and nothing's perfect. Uh, as as good as this is. Um, I disagree with Robin on that. I, I, think, I think the ending was perfect. I think the ending literally is... You know, it's it's going to lead into everything that's going to probably going to pop up in in the Defenders series, or maybe pop up in Iron Fist and then Defenders. Um, yeah, I, I yeah I I really I don't really have any any bad things to say about it. I do agree with you about the the last episode where like after that fight scene, everything's kind of just like 
hey, we're just kind of hanging around. Like, <laughs> hey, what we're going to do now? Let's just just leave some plot points, you know, that can lead to other places. But you know, I'm, I'm not complaining about that. But um, yeah, amazing. Anybody who hasn't seen it, go go and peep it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll echo you guys' sentiments on nine from me as well. Um, just because you know, as you said, Rich, nothing's perfect. Um, and you know, there were there were one or two minor things that that didn't quite work for me, but. Overall, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the cast just excelled. You know, all of them did. Uh, everybody from you know the major players to to the smaller characters were almost note perfect. Um, because of the fact that the show was was brave enough to tackle um, what is a very divisive and, and controversial issue, um, and do it in uh, a way that was you know kind of open in dialogue without. Um, necessarily being judgmental um, and just getting people to think about uh, some of the, the, the real world problems that are said that the black Americans face um, because it was um, so gritty as well and because it was so intelligent in the way it handled um, its character arcs and, and because it was not afraid of dealing with things like child abuse and uh, violence within communities and how um, the, the the effects of that can be felt for years and years. Um, you know, it was just fantastic in the, the way they handled all of that, and it was anchored superbly by um, Mike Coulter um, as Luke Cage. So, yeah, nine out of ten for me for sure. Um, and one thing I've got to mention before I finish as well, I got a serious kick out of seeing Misty Knight with her afro and with like a, an actual costume as well. Oh, there yeah. was. There, because they did a really good job on that because I was thinking like mm, I wonder if we'll get a glimpse of Misty Knight in her costume and we did we got her in her costume with her afro and I was like you know what you guys <laughs> you, you've made my day man you made my day but um, yeah I really like that I, I did at one point think oh I wonder if we're going to get you know the um, the robotic arm, the arm in this yeah in this yeah. season but then I thought nah you know because especially at the point where she gets shot in the arm and Claire's kind of saying this thing of you know she could lose her arm she could lose her arm and I was thinking oh I wonder but then I thought nah they're not going to do it so early it's too early for that there's, there's time still um, but I do think um, Rich that we might be moving closer to um, a team up between Misty Knight and Colleen Wing though um, I don't know why, but I just get that feeling that that's in the plans because, um, you know, you said earlier that the universe is expanding a little bit more and um, I think that might be where they're going, you know. Yeah, no, 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 definitely, definitely. Like, you, you can just see it. Like, you, you can just, like, like, like Iron Fist is, is basically going to be the closing chapter for, you know, for, you know, for this, for this let's, call it, let's, let's call this phase one, even though there's two seasons in the world. I consider everything that's come out right now this, this phase one, and then I think like a uh, the, the the closing chapter or the bookend for phase one is going to be Defenders season one, and then yeah, and you can just you can just see it's just but this is basically what they've done with the Marvel universe cinematic universe, where everything kind of just led to Avengers, and then you get to Avengers and then you just realize that you know then you see like Thanos at the end and you're just like, wow okay there's a lot more out there than than, than what we're used to, so yeah I, I could definitely see. You know, like I said, as much as it's getting bigger, everything's really going to start coming towards, you know, coming towards the center and, you know, and, and, and really becoming close-knit. Hmm. But um, Mr. Knight and Clean Wing hanging together. Danny and Luke Cage hanging together. 
Yeah, they're all just running around sleeping with women because he uses his blindness as a, you know, as a, as a <laughs> his pickup tool. I can't all of that stuff. I can't <laughs> mean, yeah, I can't all of it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Exciting times ahead, people. Exciting times ahead. Marvel, Netflix, thank you. You are making free black geeks very, very happy right now. So keep it going, man. Keep it going. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, thanks very much for uh, watching the show. Those of you who did watch the show on YouTube, um, and if you're listening on SoundCloud, thanks very much also. Um, if you like what we're doing, then uh, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, all you've got to do is click on the subscribe button and you'll get updates whenever we post new content and we are going to be posting new content soon so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us you can send us an email. Uh, our email is wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com but I'll make sure I put that in the description box on YouTube as well so everybody's got access to that. Um, guys, do you want to uh, give anybody your social media details and let them know where they can holler at you? Oh, <laughs> why am I first? I was waiting for you, man. Uh, yeah, you could catch me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle on both of those is at BigA85GL. Uh, and you can find links and hear me say sometimes interesting stuff, weird stuff, and occasionally boring stuff too. And um, you've also got your YouTube channel up as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I post stuff to you. You can find links to like YouTube videos on, uh, on well, on the Twitter you will anyway. But yeah, yeah, check those out. They're all right. They're kind of lazy, but you know, whatever. <laughs> cool, cool. Thank you. Um, Rich Kid, where can people find you, man? Uh, yeah, on Instagram. Uh, under rich reviews or rich underscore reviews twitter uh rich underscore reviews obviously you, you know we've got the rulong talks uh woo underscore long underscore talks instagram as well uh where you can find me and jay and yeah and that's it Cool, cool. Thank you, man. And um, as always, you can also find us on our blog, our blog slash website, which is wulongtalks.com. So uh, we've got lots of content on there at the moment. Um, we will have uh, a full written review of Luke Cage Season 1 will go up shortly. That's been requested. Um, so I will put that up on there. Um, and I think, Rich, you may do a bite-sized review as well. Oh, yeah, that's coming. That's definitely coming. Cool. So we'll get that up on there as well. Okay, well, as I said, thanks a lot uh, for joining us. Um, please share this video out with anybody who you know who might be interested in it. Uh, and also make sure you check out our SoundCloud channel as well. If you prefer to listen to audio broadcasts rather than using uh, YouTube, then everything we do is up there. So you can check out all of our podcasts on there. All right, that will do it for us. I'm going to say good night. Uh, Alvin, say good night. Night, peeps. Richard, say good night. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Why the Star Trek reference, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just saying, like you just, you guys just say good night. I'm like, hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm all about the Zen. Like, hey, you know, live long and prosper. You know, enjoy your Friday, which is coming tomorrow. I, I don't understand. You just made a big thing out of nothing. Okay, I'm gonna good night. Okay. Good night. Are you happy? Well, no, it just seems like you were trying to make us look like dicks because we just were going to say goodnight and you had to throw in the Star Trek reference. Yeah, no, there's... Nothing. <laughs> 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 Motherfucker, sweet Christmas. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, it's good night for me, folks. Uh, sweet Christmas to y'all. And we'll see you again in two weeks with a very special podcast where hopefully we'll have a special guest joining us. Um, it should be Halloween themed as well. So for those of you who like Halloween stuff, uh, check that out. We'll be back in two weeks. Peace.